1: Hello, and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry?
2: Uh, yeah, we got a lot going on, but hey, thanks for the uh, warning on the dress code. First time ever, I probably haven't had a Selling from the Heart shirt on, but sorry about that,
1: Daryl. Hey, We're going to have a great time, though. Everybody knows why we're here. We're here to sell from the heart. And by the way, if you're <laughs> new, you've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, adding real value. We call it selling from the heart. We've got a phenomenal guest. Our good friend Anthony is in the house today. You already saw it in the title. That's why you tuned in. It's (laughs) going to be a great conversation around elite sales strategies, and you're not going to want to miss this. As we get started, a huge shout out for the breakthrough sales leaders retreat coming up October 20th in Fort Worth, Texas. Larry, I am fired up about the Breakthrough Sales Leaders Retreat. Unbelievably exciting.
2: Yeah, same here. I, I basically I can't wait to hang
1: out with Dave Sanderson for a whole entire day and Daryl Amy and talk to sales leaders. <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be the mindset, the skill set, and the tool set you need as a sales leader to break through to the next level, especially in the middle of all the challenges we're facing right now. So if you want to learn more and if you want to take advantage of the limited number of early bird tickets, just go to BreakthroughSalesRetreat.com. That's BreakthroughSalesRetreat.com. Get your ticket and mark your calendar for October 20th. We're gonna be hanging out with some of the best sales leaders in the world at that retreat. And I can't wait for that. It's gonna be so much fun. BreakthroughSalesRetreat.com. Well, Larry, our guest today is a friend of Selling from the Heart. He's no stranger around here. And why don't you introduce Anthony and let's dive in.
2: What can I say about Anthony Anorino but just one amazing guy. And I've said this, and Anthony, I don't don't think I've ever shared this with you, but I've always told Daryl, you're one of the most cerebral guys I know in a very positive way. And we're going to talk about what it means to be an elite sales professional, but it's the truth. Anthony, welcome to Selling from the Heart. I had to get that one out, though.
0: You know that, that I'm a, I'm a, a street kid, right? That, uh, <laughs> that fronted a hair metal band from the I time I was 15 that, till I'm 26 years old. But, and he calls me cerebral. Okay. What, uh, what an amazing
1: transformation!
2: <laughs> it's just every time I get into a conversation, Anthony's got my
1: mind just spinning. I go, he's a real cerebral guy, but I know the backstory. Well, that's why we're excited (laughs) to have you here. I can't wait for this conversation about conversations today, but as we get started, you know, the question that every guest on the Selling from the Heart podcast answers. You've answered it before, but I'm curious on your take today, Anthony, what does it mean to you to sell from the heart?
0: It only means one thing for me. And that is the fact that caring is the ultimate superpower in sales. So it's not just empathy, but it's something more like compassion. You're here to help other people get better results. And the more that you can focus on caring and letting them actually real, feel that real caring, it's the very best advantage you could ever have in sales.
2: Oh, th- this, is, this is so good because I've always said that, you know, and I came out of the photocopier channel and I said there was nobody, there are people that could outsell me, but nobody was going to outcare me. Mm -hmm. And in selling from the heart, we reference this a lot of time, we call it just giving a rip. And I just wish so many in sales would just give a rip, just give a rip about that other person. Because when you do, it's that transfer of feeling that other person will actually feel it.
0: Yeah, you know, what's interesting is that when uh, Challenger came out, (laughs) they had a post on uh, HBR that said relationship selling is dead. And I, I just, when I read that, I was thinking to myself, and I, I'm a big fan of, of the, their frameworks, but when I read that, I thought like, I've had relationships with clients that are two and three decades long. Right, like, That's a long time. And, and I prefer to sell in one particular way. Uh, I wanna win your business one time and then maintain it forever. And I don't wanna compete for any kind of projects. I want an absolute right to them because of my caring and because of how i approach what i do so i think that people are short-sighted with tra- transactional approaches and thinking that technology can actually help them do something that it can't do it, uh, uh, it, it isn't going to create the relationship that lasts for for what will be decades
2: no oh, i fully uh, I, I fully agree and, and use the word transaction and i'm just a big believer that transactional conversations and transactional relationships are one hundred percent replaceable, yeah. Because somebody else is going to drive a better conversation transactionally than you.
0: We have to I'm, turn these I'm, into
2: transformational.
0: I gotta have uh, Daryl move me to the other side. Like I'm, like, okay, so I'm been just standing in the middle. Okay, put him in the like spot <laughs> the entire time. <laughs>
1: It's good. And by the way, if you're not watching on YouTube, you could be. And you should be. Check out <laughs> link with the heart on YouTube and subscribe while you're there. But hey, Anthony, we're, we're glad you're here. And I want to say a huge congratulations and shout out for uh, your new book. Personally, I think it's your best book yet, Elite Sales Strategies. Being one up, creating value and becoming truly consultative. Congratulations. I've worn out several highlighters on this book, (laughs) so I'm hoping you'll send me some new highlighters. Uh, But I just I'm I'm so grateful for the ideas in this book. And I'm just wondering if you might take a few minutes and unpack for our audience. What does it mean to be a one up? sales professional. Gosh,
0: I, I feel like you could answer this because of uh, <laughs> like, after I did that at Outbound last year, Daryl accosted me. I, did. And I like, remember, I saw. You're like, yeah. going to sit here and listen to me explain how important that was. And I'm like, okay, okay. Uh, I will mm-hmm. sit and listen to what you have to say. And it, it was very <laughs> kind what you said. I was afraid of this content for a couple reasons. So when you start with a concept called one-up, Mm-hmm. it immediately makes people think about one-upmanship which is something like larry do i remember meeting you at harvard when i was going through my mba program there <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you, no cuz you, you wouldn't have saw me there but anyway
1: <laughs> larry larry was at kellogg that's where he did his mba that's just like just trying to insult him in front of other
0: people right that's right. all like it's that's not really truly being one up being mm-hmm. one up is really a concept about who has greater knowledge and experience when you have two people or multiple people having a conversation? When I found this idea and uh, I found it in uh, the strangest of places. It's, uh, Alan Watts is a spiritual guy. Uh, he was very popular through the fifties and sixties. And I bought his entire, uh, album collection on audio. And I listened to the first thing and it was this concept about being one up. And there's a big backstory around it, but basically, People were looking into psychoanalysis and it turns out that if you need help, you go to a doctor and you hope that they're one up, that they yeah. have information and knowledge and experience that could help you. But eventually they decide they don't like being one down. And so they start to attack their psychoanalyst by saying something like, uh, Dr. Amy, you're a horrible doctor. I have no idea why I spend any time with you. I give you money and I never feel any
1: better. <laughs> and then people say that to Larry all the time. <laughs> oh, stop. And then it's because I'm here with two doctors and I'm not. So, yeah. so
0: there's, there's this time where they start saying something like that. And then of course, all these people were following Freud's recommendation. So mm-hmm. you never say anything. You're sitting behind them. They can't see your reaction at all. And then eventually the person will put themselves back in the one down position and say something like, Dr. Hey, I'm so sorry. You're a great doctor. It's been very helpful working with you for, for all this time. And and they don't have to say anything for that to happen. It happens naturally. Mm -hmm. Well, as I was listening to this, I'm like, I recognize this conversation. Sometimes the client thinks they know things because they've bought something once in the past and they've experienced it now, but they're one down because they've not had the thousands of experiences that the salesperson has had actually helping people get those better results. So if we have to decide who's one up and who's one down, The person who's got the greater experience is generally the one that knows more than the person who is one down. Now, this is gonna be difficult for some people, and this is why I was a little afraid of this, is because you need a little bit of time to understand this dynamic. Mm -hmm. But the way that you get your client to understand that what you have to talk about is valuable to them is by transferring your information and experience and knowledge to them so that they can make the decision that they need to make to get the best possible results. So mm-hmm. when we say something like consultative, and when we say that, people say, oh, I'm consultative. And you say, well, what makes you consultative? I ask really good questions, and I never use high pressure. Okay, those are, those are fine, but that's not consultative. Consultative means I'm going to give you my advice, my counsel, and my recommendations on what you need to do to get the very best result. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes you consultative. It means literally, I will tell you what you need to do to improve your business. Mm -hmm. Now, we walk around and we say things like, I'm a salesperson. I say that. But when you don't recognize in B2B sales that you're a business advisor and you need business acumen and you need a set of experiences that allow you to teach the client what they need to know to be Mm -hmm. able to make that decision. You already know it. And one of the things that happens to us in sales is that when we sit down and we start talking to a client and they start talking for like two minutes and we're like, I already know how to fix that. I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like too fast. They have to still go through the process of learning what they need to learn to get where you are. So we come disconnected, right? We're, We're disconnected. This person's way behind, they're one down. To move them back up, we have to transfer all of our knowledge and experience. Now, that's not easy to do, but one of the things that makes it, Difficult to do is the fact that we have these legacy approaches to sales That Mm -hmm. actually start out with poor positioning and the poor positioning means you don't look like a trusted advisor You don't sound like a consultative salesperson. I have no idea how I'm gonna get my time back after I spend time with you explaining to me the uh, outstanding history (laughs) and and exciting (laughs) stories about your company and all the logos, your trophy case that you put up that have all the logos on them. yeah. And then you're going to tell me about your solutions and ask me what's keeping me up at night. And we've done this. So find the problem, find the pain, tell them how the solution is gonna help. We've done that for a very long time. That's not the right order for that conversation to happen in at all. And I would tell you almost everything that I just said there could be removed completely. Rapport can be removed the company history, the YS can be removed, the logos can be removed, everything can be removed. And all you need to do is have a conversation about what they need to consider as they make this decision, what factors are important to them, and then how to weight those factors and why they would choose one decision over another. Mm
1: -hmm. That's your
0: job if you're consultative. Mm
1: -hmm. But
0: we're mostly not consultative because the legacy approach, which is basically spin selling plus new solution selling. That's basically Mm -hmm. most everything that's on the market is one version of that or some mix of those two things. There's very few that would say eliminate all of those things, eliminate all of them. So in the book, which Daryl has highlighted and has asked me to repair (laughs) or replace his uh, highlighters for him, which I'm happy to do. Hey, come on, Daryl, you're a doctor. You can afford all that stuff. Come
1: on. It's the principal. Yeah, <laughs> I made you color. <laughs> it's good, you did make me color. And I like, I, I did really well at that in school, which is one of the things that qualified me to be in sales, so thank you. Exactly.
0: Um, so we would say eliminate rapport, so you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to talk about your company. You're not allowed to talk about your clients. You're not allowed to talk about uh, your, your products or services. And you're not allowed to try to ask about a question, uh, ask any question about a problem or pain. And it turns out that when I do this in workshops, the younger and the less time a person has spent in sales, the easier this is for them. (laughs) And the longer they've been in sales, all they want is tell me the problem.
1: We've done this for
0: so long. It's like, tell me what the problem is, and I will show you how our solution can fix that. So I I find this really interesting that the people who haven't had this burned in over 20 years, they're pretty free to say, I can just start telling you about here's the things you should be considering right now. And Mm -hmm. it's just easier for them. It's harder if you've done this for a long time. And I've had this uh, ongoing LinkedIn conversation with uh, with um, Challenger guys. So Adamson mostly. So Mm -hmm. here's what I would tell you. The Challenger sale gave all of us who have been selling this way, for me it was 2001 when I figured out Insights were gonna help me, Uh, not immediately. I did something, it worked. I would love to tell you I was smart enough to just continue doing it, but I wasn't. I continued to do it the old way for months and months and months until I had somebody ask me to give them a briefing. And that caused me to think, people really wanna know something that they don't know. And that's when I switched my approach. And from that point on, I never had to rely on any of those other things. And I still don't to this day. And I built a $50 million staffing company with six salespeople because our approach was so different and it it was so helpful to the client that we just continued doing it because that's the best way to sell, at -hmm. least right now. And uh, eventually what I call mine uh, is my approach is a modern sales approach. At some point, this is going to be a legacy approach too. Like that's the way evolution works. Like it's gonna keep moving, the environment will keep changing and we need to change. Mm -hmm. But right now what we need to do is help salespeople understand the only way that you create value is helping that client make those decisions, which means you need to know more than they know about what you're selling them and how to get those best results. And when they don't believe that that's true and they don't believe that they can do that, they know that they're one down and they project their one downness. So it's really important for people to start making a shift. If they hadn't made the shift in, let's say Challenger came out 12 years ago. Say that, Say that's true. It's in that neighborhood. If they haven't started to move in this direction, they're, they're woefully behind right now. Mm-hmm. There, there's so much gold to unpack in what you just said, but
2: if you haven't followed Anthony, follow him because every week he puts out really great articles. And recently you were talking about you know, removing the rapport and all this. And and oftentimes it's selling from the heart. We always say, if you want to get on the right side of the table, you have to bring business substance and you have to bring high levels of business acumen. And you have Mm -hmm. to be willing to have those conversations because these are executives. Imagine walking in, in the first, what, five, 10 minutes, you're rapport building. You've just lost the golden window to share with them. Hey, I know something that might be able to help you out. Report building can come later. And I know you alluded to that because you just, you recently wrote an article about it and then I know you put it out on social.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I just don't think, I think the new rapport is a business conversation at first. And then after you have a conversation, if they're still interested in talking to you, then you can start doing that. So I think that the order shifted. It used to be like, get rapport, try to talk about your company to get credibility. Just get the credibility right at the beginning and then if you do well enough, and I promise you you'll do well enough if you eliminate a lot of the things that are a waste of time, that you'll still be in the room. And and then you will have a chance to connect on a personal level.
1: Well, absolutely. I agree. And and I think that you know, when you look at our the trust formula that we talk about authentic relationships and meaningful value, it's the tendency of old school sales uh, Rep to lead with the relationship and the the report building and you know what's behind your desk and all that kind of stuff that we were taught, which is great at the right time, but we've got to be able to walk in with meaningful value. And I love what you say in the book. Like, you need to know what keeps your client up at night. If yeah. you don't know that, why are you in there talking to that prospect? You need to know and you need to show up with some ideas and strategies and insights that that are actually valuable to them to solve the problem that everyone already knows exists.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's so weird when I hear people say like, (laughs) I need to find out what their problems are. And it's like, is it your third day on the right? (laughs) How how long have you been selling what you're selling? Like you you haven't noticed any patterns over time? (laughs) I keep seeing the same problems over and over again, but you keep getting new ones. Like, uh, hey, our parking lot's too small and we don't have enough coffee makers. Like, do you like that one? No, like I don't sell any of those things. Right. It's a very <laughs> narrow number of things that you can do. So you, yeah. you should already know what they are. And that's why I think it's so weird when people are like, you have to get them to talk about their problem. Like, no, you have to explain to them why they have the problem. It, right. it just moved. It moved from yep. asking them to teaching them why they
1: have that problem. And it turns out that that seems to be more valuable for them. Well, and this brings us to the topic in the book that I'd like to, to think about together for the rest of our, our time here today is you say in the book, uh, the single vehicle for value creation, the single vehicle for value creation is what? The sales conversation. Yeah. What else do
0: you have? Right. Like you, you can point this. at nouns. You can go like, look, here's a picture of my business Here's a picture of our solutions. Here's some logos of people we work with. That doesn't create any value for them at all. All you're oh, yeah. trying to do is get credibility by pointing at nouns. That's what those are. Here's a picture of our CEO. Noun. Like, it's all nouns. <laughs> Nobody cares about nouns. Like, they want to understand what's going on in their world and how they can do this. So I, I don't understand. Right. And I, I take every phone call that comes to me. Like, every cold call. I'll take the cold call. It's amazing how people have no conception of value at all. Like, Mm and even just me asking, I've been asking like a one-up salesperson for many, many years by just saying, I'd love to give you a briefing. And even if there's not a next step for us, you're going to understand why some of these challenges are existing, exist right now. And what you and your management team might start wanting to doing something about this. When I start doing that, they do this, they lean in. Yeah. When when you start talking about your company, they lean back. They're like, oh, this again. And, and Daryl, you already know this because you've read the book. And if you would read it to Larry, that would be good too. I will. Uh, I will. I. Oh, he's got it. Never mind. So <laughs> I'll read it to you, when, Larry. When, oh. when you have, uh, I'm just teasing Larry because he's got a great spirit. But <laughs> so we got salesperson A and salesperson B, mm-hmm. and they both walk in. You know, one on Tuesday, and and they go through the company thing, the the trophy case again, and then the next day. Two days later somebody else does the same thing nobody can tell those people apart like you can't you're like one was taller than the other and (laughs) one had a green logo and the other one had a red one like i don't know like i i didn't learn anything from that conversation at all because you're not interesting enough if you're not helping them with the problem that they're trying to solve which is how do i make this decision how do i get my team to go along with this you know how do i make sure that this is the right decision and i'm considering everything i need to consider that's a very different way to sell than the way that we sold for let's say the last I'll call it 34 years, something like that. Let's go to spin selling at the
1: beginning, call right. that 1988. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so coach us uh, coaches for a moment here. Let's say you're you're walking in. Larry is Larry and I are the executives of a company. I don't um, like
0: my chances so far, but okay. I know
1: they're not good. Like this is a hostile situation. Um, you're walking in um you're walking in as the sales representative for the staffing agency you yeah. know what would you what would an old school sales rep do oh this and is what good. would a elite good. sales uh professional do so let's go with let's go with old school let's uh you yeah know, you're gonna have to put so, a tie on now so,
0: oh, oh, <laughs> old old school you're going back to Uh, I got forced into outside sales when I was in L.A. fronting a hair metal band by a manager who forced me to do this. (laughs) And uh, my pitch would be uh, uh, for the call, I would say, I'd love to share with you uh, what my company is doing with other people that look like you and uh, and learn a little bit about you. What do you look like? Is Wednesday at 11 good or would Thursday at 2 be better? All right, now so, I actually got some meetings that way.
1: Yeah, so you're hey, in. You you're know walking. what?
0: It's still happening today.
1: Yeah, I know. But that was like <laughs>
0: 1994. So, no, no, 92.
1: That's so good. Then so it was would... 93 for me. It was back in the 80s for Larry. But let's say you're you're now you're in you're in you're in, yeah, our, so board, now you're I'm in our conference in. room.
0: I open um, up I open up the 84 page binder <laughs> that Olsten Services gave me, and yes, I, start so thing, yep, right? yeah. uh-huh. I start on page one. Inserts
1: in the little plastic. yeah There you go. I start
0: on page one. And I am going to get you through all 84 pages in the time we have together. And I don't care how long it takes. I start like this. In 1942, William (laughs) Olston started Olston Staffing Services to deliver women to businesses so that they could continue to run during World War II. I literally, in 1992, went back 50 years (laughs) to start the conversation. It was (laughs) riveting. It was riveting. People unintended. were glued to their seat; yeah. they couldn't move. And no, they were glu- not glued to the seat.
1: They were in a catatonic state, right? And right. they couldn't
0: move because
1: I had knocked them unconscious. Well, it's so it's funny because I had the site seller, and then we wanted the <clears throat> PowerPoint slide deck. It's yep. the you know modern evolution of that, and I could still recite the initial presentation from Linear Worldwide from that I had to memorize or get fired in the first seven days, right? S- oh, so so let's seven fast forward. Years. Seven years after I came back, okay. I had a brain
0: surgery mm-hmm. and I came back and I had this client and the client wouldn't raise their pay rates. And it was an old school guy who was in charge of HR. He was a, okay. a, a full bird colonel, of Vietnam, like a tough guy. Uh, great, great, great relationship I had with him. He was very protective of me inside his own organization because mm-hmm. I was a change maker. And I kept trying to get them to raise the pay rate. And I said, you're blaming me for your bad results. Uh, we pay $8 <laughs> an hour, you paid $10 an hour when we started. You're now at $17, I'm at $9. you are unhappy with the quality. Why do you have to pay 17 when I'm paying 9 Like, why do you, because we need quality. Okay, I couldn't make the argument. So what I did is I took every bit of data that I could find, uh, the Census Bureau, I, I took the BLS, like everything. And I basically prosecuted their false beliefs, their misconceptions and their assumptions. And I showed them, there's only 15,000 people on unemployment in the whole city of Columbus, uh, which means we're the tightest labor market in the world. Like it's unbelievably tight. And here's how you compare to all of your competitors. I did a hundred slides. And this is at a time with no scanner. So I got to take pictures of the Wall Street Journal and, and the New York Times. And at the end of that meeting, he said, "That was a really good briefing." And I said, "Thanks." And he goes, "Can I have a copy of that slide deck?" <laughs> and I said, "Why do you want the slide deck? Like nobody had ever asked me for my slide deck before." <laughs> <Right>. Your company <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> No reason to have it. And uh, and this actually was useful to him. And he said, "I'm going to be briefing my senior leadership team this afternoon, and it'd be really helpful to have this." Wow. And I said, "Okay." Yeah. And then he said, uh, "Take your logo off," and I was like. Guy just took my homework. Like, Damn. I feel like I'm back in third grade, but Paul Grady stole my homework, <laughs> erased my name, and actually turned it in. Like, I'm, I'm back in third grade. This is crazy. So, so, two hours later, after his meeting, he calls me and gives me $2 million to raise his, his wages across the entire uh, system. And I thought, that's really interesting. Mm. He now believes what I believe is true, and now he's doing the right thing. And for a while, I was like, they're stupid. And then I was like, they're not stupid. They're ignorant. They -hmm. don't know what they don't know. And if I don't teach them what they don't know, they'll never know it. So I taught them with it. Now, I I would love to say I changed immediately, but I didn't. It took some time. I had another guy yell at me for trying to pull my laptop out of a bag. He was like, if you put up a PowerPoint, we're done. I'm just (laughs) asking questions. You have to just talk to me. That's it. And then I had a friend call me, and he said, I was putting in, I was plugging in my PowerPoint and the senior leader said, I will throw your ass out of here if you show me one slide. And I was like, people hate slides. I didn't know, they don't like slides. No, what they don't like is wasting their time.
2: Yeah, that's right. So they don't
0: like that. My shift went to this. So I would come in and say, well, I would ask first, I'd like to ask you for 25 minutes where I can give you an executive briefing on the trends that we think are gonna have the biggest impact over the second half of this year and going into next year and some strategies about what you might do about it. What do you look like Thursday, 25 minutes? Probably wanna bring a couple of your managers in here so they can hear this too. And then whether you do business with us or not, you're gonna to have to start preparing for this. People let me come in and speak to them. It was a better pitch for sure. Yeah. And then when I would show down, I would, I would sit down and I would say, here are the four trends that we think are most important. Right now, uh, 5% means everybody's um, full, full employment. Uh, we're at 3.2. So we have less than full employment, so you're not gonna be able to get your people unless you have the right offer. And so I would start going through the implications uh, and I would show them, like right now, today, I know this, uh, the number of jobs available in the United States just dropped from 12 million open jobs to 11.5 million open jobs. And there are 1.3 million people collecting unemployment in the United States right now. There's 4.6 million people not working because they don't want to work. And there's 4.4 million people quitting every single month, but it's not new people. The quitters keep quitting. they quit because they don't want to do this job. Then they find out they don't like the next job either. So that group just keeps churning and churning. So I would start doing this and teaching them this. And then people started asking like, are you going to brief us before the end of the year? And that's when I started to go, wait a second. They think this is super valuable. They mm-hmm. think that knowing what they need to do in the future is helpful for them. And then that's when I, the, the light came on for me. And I'm like, wonder if we just just only briefed people. I wonder what would happen if we just would brief them on the beginning of this and see what they did. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth about that staffing company. We don't have a proposal. We don't have one. We don't have a slide deck. We don't have any slide decks. Uh, we don't have business cards in that business, one of my family's businesses. Mm-hmm. The only thing we do is walk in, start explaining why they don't get the results that they want, what they're going to need to do to do that. And then we bring them back a contract and they sign it. And that's it. Like we, we have a very, very, very streamlined process. Once they know that somebody knows how to help them fix their problems and we tell them the truth, even though they hate it. I mean, I've got two Stories of failure in that book because I want people to know like it's the truth at any price.
1: Mm-hmm. E-
0: even if you lose, it's that's that's the price of being a truth teller. Yeah, and I lost a a six million dollar client one year uh, just because I told him the truth and he didn't like it. And our conversation was, I was one up. He wanted to be one up, and mm-hmm. he's an intimidating guy. But I'm a street kid, so. <laughs> As a kid that grew up like in a tough neighborhood with a lot of violence, I know i 'm not going to get hit by the chief uh, operating officer <laughs> so <laughs> i'm not very afraid like you're you're not likely to hit me right and, and they never do by the way they're not happy sometimes when I tell them right. the truth, but if they really want to get better results, we have to always tell them the truth and One of the things that I see that shows up in the book um, in a minor sort of way, like you let people tell you what their problem is, and you think your solution can solve it. But if they don't make the behavioral changes, then they don't get that result. So I always wanna tell people, this is the behavioral change that you need to make if you wanna do this. So you have to change this on your side. So Mm -hmm. the, the client that I was telling you about, I can't raise their pay rate myself. They have to raise the pay rate. So if they want better results, they have to give me the money to pay their people so they can get the better results. That was a $2 million decision that they made after a presentation. S- significant presentation for me.
1: Beautiful.
2: You know, I, Beautiful. I'm just thinking with where trust and credibility is right now in the sales world, what you just shared, Anthony, is pure gold. Because if people would do that more often, I'm as I started listening to what you're saying, the first word that comes through my head is confidence. You got to have a lot of self-confidence and believability in yourself to really, really deliver this. In a manner where someone's going to go, you know what? I get this person. This person's totally different.
0: But but on the same on the, on the same sort of uh, conversation here, Larry. When I don't know, I don't yeah, know. Like exactly. I, I, I will tell you, like I don't yep. know. I'll see if I can find somebody who can help you. But I don't know how to to do this part of this thing. And I, I'm never going to make a promise. Yep. That that I, I can't keep because I I have a very very narrow. Like I'm, let me say this for the audience. I'm one up about sales and leadership. Uh-huh. I'm one up. I'm definitely one up. I've spent decades in staffing. I'm I'm way, way one up on there. Everything else, I, I'm one down. And the best part about being one down is that you can continue to learn. So uh-huh. I continue to learn from every client I have. And they know things that I don't know about their business and their industry and what works for them and what doesn't. So the best thing that you can do is just accept your one downness and say, I'm one down in this area. And what I started doing when I was 25, uh, right after I had my brain surgery, I started asking clients, help me understand your business. And they were happy to teach me Bingo. Their, their business. And then I would use that. Uh, and one of the stories I tell in the book is through the idea of throughput, which I was doing with the limited is helping them with uh, the labor And I had somebody teach me this, the guy's name was Dallas Mulder, and he taught me how to understand throughput. So I got like a spreadsheet, about 15 minutes. Two days later, I'm at another distribution center going, tell me about your throughput numbers. And they're like, you know throughput? And I'm like, yeah, I know throughput, like this much. Mm -hmm. I'm just barely over one down. Yep. But they're like, hey, this guy, (laughs) he's talking about our throughput numbers. And so like, he's one of us. And, yep. I, and, and I, I continue to do that. And I ask people like, well, tell me how it shows up in your world. And then pretty soon I know something that I didn't know before because I'm asking people to, to teach me. And they're happy to teach you their business. And the last question I always ask them is, what's the most important thing for me to do to create value for you? What's the most important thing? Make sure we have all the people that we need and that we have effective people on these lines.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so now I know. And uh, that's that's how you become one up is by being one down and then learning
1: what you need to know to help your clients. I love it.
0: That's a beautiful.
1: I love (laughs) it. Yeah. Well, there's so much more to learn on this topic. And I think when you get this book, you're going to want to grab a couple extra highlighters uh, because you're going to learn a lot. Anthony, thank you so much for sharing time with us today. How can people get uh, get more Anthony in their life?
0: Who wants that? Well, uh, everybody wants not, that. You know this they is Marino for sure. Uh, it's Dr. Anthony. TheSalesblog.com. Not Salesblog.com. That's get the, the Sales. The sales. Blog. Yeah. So like The Ohio State. So that can help you remember that. Uh, also, LinkedIn is a great place. I awesome. mean, that's a great place to connect.
1: Thanks for sharing time. That thanks for awesome. writing this book. Uh, thanks for being an incredible resource. To the sales world in general, we're, uh, we're all about this. This has been a fantastic conversation. Anthony, you rock. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank for you so me. much. Awesome. Awesome. Oh. Larry, there's a lot in that. But you know oh. what I love about this? Uh, I love that this is all, if you care, if you give a rip, like Anthony talked about at the beginning, you're going to take the time to understand uh, the things you need to understand to walk in the door and have a valuable conversation with your clients. And, you know, this is this is so doable. It just takes the, t- the time to be able to think and compile, like, what, what am I learning out there? What can I bring to my clients? Cause I care about them, uh, to be able to help them do better business.
2: Yeah, I was always saying, you know, we, we've alluded to doctor status on this, on the podcast with Anthony, but I'm a big believer that salespeople can earn a PhD from their clients in business if they're just willing to ask, right? Just That's imagine right. salespeople just asking CFOs, CEOs, CIOs, insert title of decision makers a little bit about their job and how they got there and educate them. It may require a lunch or a cup of coffee or a gift card, but imagine the knowledge you can obtain from your clients that you can then
1: transfer when you're out having these initial conversations with people just like them. That's right. So... Check out Elite Sales Strategies. You're going to thank us for that. It's a phenomenal resource. There's so much to unpack in there. This has been a wonderful conversation today. And uh, I just want to say, Larry, this is so much fun. This is so much fun um, as we explore together ways uh, to help bring authentic value to our clients, um, combining that with authentic relationship. Oh, this is just so much fun. I want to say a huge shout out for the Breakthrough Sales Leaders Retreat. It's coming up October 20th. It's going to be in Fort Worth, Texas. And I can tell you one thing, if you're a sales leader or you know one, you don't wanna miss this. Go to BreakthroughSalesRetreat.com and snag your ticket. This is gonna be so much fun. And we'll see you there. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna be fantastic. Hey, thank you to everybody who is sharing the podcast, leaving reviews, uh, subscribing on YouTube. There's just so many great things going on in the Selling from the Heart community, and and we're so excited um, for all the things that are happening with this community and this movement of authenticity in the sales profession. Till next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value, become an elite sales professional, and most of all, sell from the heart.